coming in for six years, and six years you've been sticking it to me. I want to know how come. You don't want to know. Yeah, I want to know how come. You want to know? I want to know how. Okay, I'm going to tell you. Because you had the talent to become a good fighter. And instead of that, you became a leg breaker to them cheap second-rate loan star. To living? It's a waste of life. Apollo Creed. It's the Italian stallion. <laughs> Sounds like a damn monster movie. Well, he's always in a bed, but you know he ought to count your blessings, buddy. You're still a healthy person, you know that? I don't like your face. I don't like your Z. Kiss my ass. I'm off your shoulders, I'm right, right, Relax, relax, relax. You owe me. What the hell are you? You're supposed to be good to me. What do I owe you, Bobby? What do I owe you? I treat you good. I cook for you. I clean for you. I pick up your dirty clothes. I take care of you, Paulie. I don't owe you nothing. And you made me feel like a loser. I'm not a loser. You're busted. What? Busted. Hey, Welcome to Sweet Play Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Macmasunas. How's everybody doing today? I'm doing great, guys. It's good to be back. It's good to be starting a new series, the Rocky series. As you guys know, the Lethal Weapons series has ended. It was an excellent, fun time. I can say it was by far my favorite series that I've done on the show. And I'm excited to be doing this one. As you know, the 100th episode is right around the corner. And the Rocky series is six films, so it's going to be fun. It's uh, been a long time since I've seen these movies. There's various ones I have vivid memories of and other ones that I kind of remember bits and pieces of, so I'm very excited to be revisiting this series. And uh, Jameson, of course, uh, I was trying to get him on for every episode, but we're going to try to get him on as many of these as we can, for sure three and four. We will see how the rest of the series goes. But anyways, it's going to be a fun time. I'm excited to be talking the very first Rocky. It's been about, I don't know, 15 years since I've seen this movie. Now, before we get into the talk of Rocky, the very first one, let's get into some movie and music news. So for the first piece of news we need to talk about is Iron Man 3. Now, last night, 
was Thursday, and Iron Man 3 had opened at 9 o'clock in my neck of the woods. Unfortunately, I couldn't get a babysitter, so I was not able to to see the film. I'm not going to be able to see it until Monday, so I'm trying to avoid all spoilers as possible. I know Jameson saw it. I know uh, Jason over Flick saw it. I know a few of my friends have seen it, but I am trying to stay as spoiler-free as possible, and hopefully by Monday all will be well. But as you know, it had been released outside of the U.S. for, it's been a, I don't know, maybe a week or two. And it got really great reviews, obviously, and made a crap load of money over there. So when it finally released, here's what we got for the U.S. So Iron Man 3 opens at $68.5 million for opening day. So uh, after making an estimate $15.6 million in the Thursday and midnight showings, the total was $68.5 million on opening day Friday. This is a strong opening day, of course. It's now in the top 10. It's, uh, of course, below last year's The Avengers that had opened at $80.8 million. The Dark Knight Rises was at $75.7 million. And Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2 was at $91 million. And three of the Twilight movies, uh, it tied with Eclipse. So... Uh, right now, it's on its way to anywhere from 165 million and up, depending on how well it holds. You know, Saturday, Sunday. But there's this thing called Cinema Score. It's a good sign of positive word of mouth that it's going to carry through the weekend just fine. And uh, essentially, it could take place behind the opening of last year's Avengers, which holds a record of 207.4 million. So I guess we'll see if it can top the overall weekend. But I wouldn't be surprised if it. I wouldn't be surprised if it does. But I wouldn't be surprised if it does it either. But I'm hearing really good things, and I'm excited to check out this movie Monday. Now, of course, I'm not going to be putting up a review for the film because you know I haven't done the other Iron Man movies. But I would definitely let you guys know on the Facebook page and in the Facebook group what I thought of the film and my star rating and all that other fun stuff. So, in other news. Alright, so those of you out there who like Despicable Me, which I did, it was a really fun movie. Now, uh, Al Pacino was attached to be in Despicable Me 2. However, he has departed the role and they have repl- uh, they've replaced him with Benjamin Bratt. Which Benjamin Bratt, you may know back in the early days of Law & Order. Uh, he was in uh, Miss Congeniality with Sandra Bullock and that terrible Catwoman film. I guess the reason for the departure is creative differences, but you're still going to have the voices of Steve Carell, uh, Kristen Wiig, Miranda Cosgrove, Russell Brand, Steve Coogan, and uh, Ken Wong. But as far as Pacino, he was playing the lead villain, El Macho, but they got Benjamin Bratt to take over for him. So I guess we'll see how it goes. You know, not going to... Uh, say a good thing or a bad thing about it just kind of yeah you know it is what it is now in other news we have men in black 4 is unfortunately being made oh man when are they going to stop making these movies but i guess i shouldn't talk i hear all this anytime we announce a new fast and furious movie they're like one of these movies going to stop but the difference is those movies get better as they continue on not the men in black film so i don't know uh, the same guy that's going to be writing this is uh, Orrin, uh, uh, Zil- ah, I can't even say his last name. But anyways, Orrin, he's going to be doing rewrite duties on 21 Jump Street 2. Now that movie, I am actually looking forward to. Now he previously written the web series Mortal Kombat Rebirth, which was actually pretty good. I watched some of those, it was pretty cool. 
maybe he'll do okay, but I don't know, man. I, I'm kind of done with the whole Men in Black thing. I thought Part 2 was terrible, and I really like 3. So, it is what it is, but 21 Jump Street 2, that is something I am looking forward to. And that's supposed to be out uh, June 6th of next year, which is the day after my birthday. So, I'm pretty pumped up about that. So, there's news that Netflix uh, could possibly claim Buffy again. I don't know. There's been, ever since Arrested Development got kind of resurrected on Netflix, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is one of those shows that were on the list of possible resurrection. And the, I guess, CEO has talked about, you know, possibly, you know, that would be a show that they would consider. But you got to think, Allison Hannigan, she's already on How I Met Your Mother. And, I mean, of course, I know Sarah Michelle Gellar isn't doing Ringer anymore. So I know the original idea was to do kind of small telemovies or focus on maybe secondary characters. So uh, there's not really much movement going on with this. It's just a possible idea that Netflix is willing to throw around that they would be willing to maybe resurrect that show. But if you did, how would it work? And obviously uh, we wouldn't have to get involved. And I mean, this guy is super, super busy. So I have no idea how that whole situation will work out. But just keep it in your mind that it's a possibility. You might hear some further news down the line that Netflix is probably trying to really maybe go full-blown, yes, we want to do this, let's get it worked out kind of thing. I guess we shall see how that story unfolds. All right, and the last bit of news I have for you is the man who does not know how to stop working, Dwayne Johnson, is the star in an HBO TV show. Okay, so we already know this guy's making movies like crazy. He already has a show on TNT called The Hero that's going to be premiering in June. Now, all of a sudden, he is set to be in this show on HBO. So here is the, here's basically the story uh, that's going on is uh, THR says that he agreed to front an untitled HBO comedy set amongst the world of retired professional athletes. And, of course, his Pain and Gain co-star, which is Mark uh, Wahlberg, and his uh, director of The Rundown, Peter Berg, which if you've ever seen the movie Shocker, uh, he was the guy in Shocker and then later became a director, uh, he would produce the half-hour-long offering. So... I guess uh, it's going to be executive produced by uh, Wahlberg Johnson and uh, uh, his ex-wife, which is also his business partner, Danny Garcia. So uh, we'll see how that goes. That's pretty much all the information I have. And who knows? Maybe it'll go through, maybe it won't. This guy is super busy. I mean, this guy has to recover from his surgery, go make Fast and Furious 7 and make Hercules at the same time and do this TV show and then work on this. I mean, this guy does not know how to stop, but I mean, there you go. I, I love the guy, so I'm not going to complain that I get to see him all the time on TV. It's going to be a fun time. So let's get into some music news. All right. Now, technically speaking, this is TV related, but not really. As you know, I was a humongous fan of the TV show American Idol. I've been watching ever since the beginning, and I've been a faithful viewer every single week until this past season. And the reason behind that, why I quit cold turkey, is one reason and one reason only. It wasn't because Keith Urban was on, and it wasn't because Mariah Carey was on. 
it was because of one little person named Nicki Minaj, which I've already said my piece about her in past episodes. You know, I do not like her. I think she's trash. And obviously, I'm not the only one. American Idol's ratings have dropped to an all-time low. I'll put it in perspective for you. It's actually lower ratings than season one. So that's got to tell you something. When it's been the powerhouse show, nothing can ever touch the ratings. And now it's gone down the hill. And that's because, I mean, just this past uh, two Wednesdays ago, the show was going down. It was the lowest Wednesday they've ever had. And this past Wednesday was even worse because Nikki and Mariah were doing Twitter uh, yelling at each other because they can't stand each other. Mariah Carey, I think, is, you know, she's great, but she just can't stand Nicki Minaj. And she is totally bringing the show down. You kick her off, I will come back to American Idol. And uh, I guess this has been a great se- season in regards to contestants. you got four girls. Obviously, a girl is going to win. There was, I guess, this big save where no- nobody went home. But Nicki Minaj is just, she's poison, man. Anything you put her in, I don't know. I, I'm done. I don't really want to talk about her too much. But it just is amazing to me how people are starting to realize now that they see her week in and week out on TV, actually see the kind of uh, person she is that nobody's digging her, man. And, you know, think about it. She's not really, musically speaking, she's not, she can't touch Mariah Carey. There ain't no way. She, she's never going to get to that level. So, and it's just a shame that Nicki Minaj is bringing down American Idol. But, hey, maybe they would learn their lesson. And they're going to get Harry Connick Jr. next year, which I think is excellent. That guy, he's uh, well-respected. He's, you know, musically style. He's he's sound. He may not have sold millions of records, but at least he's a respected artist. And when you have a respected artist on your show, look at, uh, look at the voice. You have now Shakira. And you have Usher on there. Now, I'm not saying that there was anything wrong with Christina Aguilera. Absolutely not. However, Shakira and Usher uh, are more, I don't know, more respected artists maybe? I don't know. I mean, as you guys know, Christina Aguilera is one of my all-time favorite female vocalists. I mean, she has range that is just unbelievable. But... Shakira, you know, she's just, I don't know, they brought a new energy to the show and people really dig it. So, I'm, you know, it's just, it shows you that a particular artist can really bring a show up or bring a show down. So, unfortunately, American Idol is headed down the toilet as it should because they were stupid for bringing Nicki Minaj in on this. And, of course, the ultimate music news, which obviously, you know, I am you know heartfelt about is the loss of chris kelly from crisscross now i have decided that you know as you guys know on the last underground hour i did the top five singles of 2013 so far tunes that i thought were gonna be you know just contenders for my top 10 at the end of the year and i said this was the last underground hour episode that you would get until after the 100th episode well because crisscross is my favorite hip-hop duo i mean if it wasn't for these guys i never would have gotten into hip-hop and rap they and unfortunately a lot of people only know them for jump which is stupid because these guys had four albums and they were they were just amazing on the mic it was good stuff so i've decided to do a dedication episode a tribute to crisscross my top 10 favorite crisscross songs of all time and jump is nowhere near the top spot just so you know so i highly recommend that you check out that episode 
And uh, I will give you a warning in the episode because there is some language in there. And as you guys know, I run a clean show. I've never really played any tunes that had any offensive language in there. But I will discuss that in the episode itself. So make sure you check the disclosure. And uh, it's not like you think the F word or anything like that. Uh, I discussed that in the episode. But uh, Chris Kelly, of course, died. Uh, I believe it was a drug overdose, which is unfortunate. He was 34 years old. And uh, it was terrible, man. Life is too short. I really love these guys. I mean, arguably, he was the better of the two in the group. He was uh, he was just amazing. And uh, when you hear my episode, you're really going to hear my love for Chris Cross and just the impact that they really made on my teenage life. And uh, thanks to them, I'm into the music that I'm into today. As you guys know, I do a lot of hard rock music, but a lot of that has... Uh, has uh, roots in hip-hop for me you know i love hip-hop when it's mixed with rock and roll you know hip-hop nowadays i have a hard time dealing with but the hip-hop back in the day for me was the best nothing could touch the hip-hop back in the 90s it was by far just influential and original and just beautiful and it's hard to find good hip-hop nowadays so it crisscross really helped plant the seed for me to expand into the hip-hop world and then eventually I formatted that in with finding hip-hop that deals with guitars and, and all that good stuff so yeah uh, I did a dedication episode to crisscross I hope you check it out I hope you dig it and uh, you know rest in peace Chris Kelly you're gonna be missed my friend especially since you guys were working on a new album man and uh, I hope we get to at least hear a song or two that you guys completed. So that is it for movie and music news. I'm going to save some of that for the Rocky 2 episode because I'm recording that right after this one because I got three episodes going out to you guys this week. So uh, let's get into the review of the uh, 1976 classic with Sylvester Stallone known as Rocky. Ten years ago, right? Ten years ago, you never helped me. You didn't care. 
Well, if you wanted help. I say, if you wanted help, why didn't you ask? Why didn't you just ask me again? Look, I asked, but you never heard nothing. Nobody's ever gone the distance from Crete. And if I can go that distance, seeing that bell rings and I'm still standing, that weren't just another bum from the neighborhood. It's time to talk Rocky. And, man, I'm going to be honest with you, it'll be a little hard for me not to reference The Rock here and there because, I mean, uh, that's the chant. Whenever The Rock comes out uh, in wrestling, everybody says Rocky, Rocky, which obviously is because of this movie. This movie still in pop culture today still gets referenced whenever. I mean, The Rock keeps this movie alive, you know, this franchise alive. I mean, whenever you yell Rocky, sure, you're saying it because of The Rock, but when you really sit and think about it, it brings you back to the to the original, man. To uh, I mean, obviously, Rocky was enchanted in this movie, not till the very end, but it was kind of so low-key where you really couldn't hear it too much versus in the other movies, you'll really get to hear it. But it's so cool that a movie like this is still in 2013 you still hear it you know and i know this because i watch wrestling every week and whenever you know dwayne johnson was on it was always rocky rocky you know just like the chance in the film so it's gonna be fun man i'm really excited to do this series and i could actually see this series being one of those series that like lethal weapon could every movie be almost a five-star film? I mean, this is one of those series that uh, is kind of like Lethal Weapon. Uh, each movie builds off the prior film, tells one complete story, and it's awesome. You know, you have a beginning, middle, and end chapter to this series, which is great. Sylvester Stallone was pretty much in full control of this series and really wanted to tell a story. I mean, you can clearly tell by the end of this movie, it was only meant to be a one movie deal this movie's back in 76 and you know back in those days there was no such thing as really sequels you know they weren't really something that hey we're gonna make a we're gonna make a series out of this no this was just one idea one movie and it eventually became a series and it's just great of how consistently they decided to make this because lethal weapon in mind wanted a sequel this movie didn't but it was able to create six movies, and it's kind of amazing to see the beginning, middle, and end of a character named Rocky Balboa. 
Now, I know some of you are probably asking yourself, what's the purpose of doing the Rocky series uh, this late in the game? I mean, why are you doing it? I mean, some people really love this series and other people don't. Well, the biggest reason is, is obviously the Karate Kid is my 100th episode. I said since day one that the Karate Kid was going to be the 100th episode. I wanted to make sure I had enough experience in this show and I had a certain flow to the show to where I could look back on my review of the Karate Kid and be 100% satisfied. So I figured 100 episodes will definitely get me that experience and the fans and all that, all this and that. And it's shaping up to be one incredible 100th episode. As you guys have already heard, uh, Lisa the Legend somehow, some way got in contact with uh, Johnny William Zapka and uh, talked to him about my show and he agreed to do an email interview with me and I got his email address yesterday and I emailed him and working out details now and uh, it's it's turning out to be one epic 100 episode I can't wait and uh, it's going to be fun beyond fun and of course the biggest reason is John G. Avildsen is the director of Rocky and he was the director of Karate Kid 1, Karate Kid 2 and Karate Kid 3 so for me The Karate Kid starts with Rocky because essentially the Karate Kid is kind of a remake of Rocky except with a different ending. You have the underdog story, but in Rocky, he loses the match and Karate Kid wins. But the question is, did Rocky really lose? And we're going to get into that. And I'm very excited to be talking this series. All right. Now, before we get into the details of the film, let's kind of go over some basics and just kind of refresh your memory on the storyline of the film. Now, as you know, this movie is both written and stars Sylvester Stallone. And uh, this movie was made on a budget of $950,000 and it was shot in 28 days. And of course, it was a sleeper hit. It eventually made $225 million. It was the highest grossing film of 1976. This movie won three Oscars, including Best Picture, which is just crazy. The film received many positive reviews and, of course, turned Sylvester Stallone into a major star. It's hard to believe that nobody wanted this movie, you know, because Sylvester Stallone said, I had to be Rocky. But, you know, Universe, uh, United Artists, which is the, you know, the place that distributed this movie, they liked the script, but they wanted a well-established actor. Like, at the time, there was Robert Redford, Ryan O'Neill, Burt Reynolds, James Caan, but Stallone... You know, he wanted to be given the chance to star in the film. You know, he was the only one that could play it. And, uh, you know, to kind of to keep, I mean, it eventually worked out. They they were able to save so much money by paying an actor that really wasn't no Robert Redford. And uh, the original script did actually have a darker tone to the film. While they were filming it, they decided to change things up a little bit. For example, Mickey... Uh, was portrayed as a racist and the script ended with Rocky throwing the fight and realized that he did not want to be part of the professional boxing world after all. So I really like the changes that they made in the film, which is really good. There's a lot of fun history to this film. I highly recommend you go seek that out, check it out, read some of the behind the scenes stuff, the stories. I mean, it could take just a, a whole podcast just to talk about all the behind the scenes stories. So let's talk about the movie here. So the movie starts off and it, it, I mean, this is kind of a period piece because it flat out tells you it's November 25th, 1975, which is what makes this movie work because it is a period piece. Now, Rocky's introduced to you, you know, in the beginning, he's uh, he's a small time boxer fighting this one guy 
and you kind of get the idea that Rocky is a guy who's maybe not so well educated. He may be not the, the sharpest tool in the tool shed, but he's got a great heart and you really come to like this guy. Uh, you do find out though that he is uh, he's a loan shark collector. Uh, Anthony Gazzo is the loan shark, and they live in uh, good old Philadelphia, where uh, John the Mailman and John the Music Man are at. And actually, it's uh, Kensington, Philadelphia. That's the neighborhood that this all takes place in. So uh, the uh, the champion uh, Apollo Creed, he's an undefeated heavyweight champion, uh, played by Carl Weathers, which uh, is so good. We'll talk about it a little bit. He is supposed to defend against Mac Lee Green for the World Heavyweight Championship. Now, it's supposed to take place at the Philadelphia Spectrum on New Year's Day in 1976, the year of the United States Bicentennial. Now, Green drops out because he has an injured hand. So Apollo Creed comes up with this idea of giving a local underdog a shot at the title. And basically, in their mind, this is a show. It's not a fight. You know, he's a businessman. That's who Apollo Creed is. He's all about business first, money first, and then boxing. But obviously, this guy is excellent because he's an undefeated heavyweight champion. But his first thing is using his brain, using his smarts, using his money. He's a businessman. So the idea behind this is to make a big show, make lots of money, knock the guy out before three rounds. Everybody collects their paycheck and goes home. Now, the reason why they pick Rocky is they like his nickname. He has this nickname he made up for himself called the Italian Stallion. And uh, obviously, he's a relatively unknown fighter. So he fits the criteria of giving a local underdog the shot at the title. So they put it in lights by proclaiming Apollo Creed meets the Italian Stallion. That's the only reason they picked him. They didn't see what he looked like. They didn't see the kind of fighter he is. Although his manager tells him the kind of fighter that uh, Rocky actually is. But they just like the name. The Italian Stallion. It's going to sell money. It's going to sell tickets. They're going to make money. It's all good. Now there's this fight promoter. His name is George uh, Jurgens, And he says that the decision is very American. And of course Apollo Creed says no, it's very smart. So that's how the story gets set in motion. And then we deal with the uh, with the real story, you know, that's kind of like the background. I mean, look at this in the sense of the Karate Kid. You know, I'm going to kind of give you a little bit of preview of the Karate Kid discussion before we get to the 100th episode. The Rocky movies are as much boxing as the Karate Kid is the karate. Karate is just your template. It's what sets the story. The real story is about Daniel and Mr. Miyagi and the relationship, the father and son type relationship. Boxing is not the Rocky movies. These are not boxing films. Uh, Yes, they're about boxing, but boxing is just a template. These movies are to tell a story of Rocky and Adrian and his uh, and his friends, Paulie and his manager. You know, the, the true story here is the relationship of Rocky Balboa and Adrian. That's that's your story. And boxing is simply the template put. And John G. Avildsen does an amazing job of doing this in The Karate Kid and 
in the Rocky films. Uh, obviously, he didn't direct every single one of these movies, but for this movie, I mean, it's it plants the seed and it expands. And the music, of course, is by Bill Conti, who, of course, does the music in The Karate Kid. And it's just, I mean, like I said, this movie is pre-Karate Kid for me, which is why I love this movie so much and why I thought it would be the perfect segue into The Karate Kid by picking the story and the in the movie series prior to the movie that I can't wait to talk about that I've been waiting a hundred episodes to get to. So, uh, to prepare for the fight, Rocky trains with this, uh, 1920s era, um, gym owner named Mickey Goldmill played by, uh, Burgess Meredith, which is funny when I would watch Batman, the TV show, when I would watch this movie, I'd say, Hey, it's the penguin. You know, it was just kind of how, Everything sunk into me. Now, to Mickey, Rocky has always had way more potential than he lets on. I mean, he does tell him that he he has a great heart, but you're essentially a tomato. You know, you're basically a bum. You're worthless. You're a leg breaker for some cheap second-rate loan shark. And he he puts out his locker. And, you know, this all transcends where he will get the freak luck opportunity that comes to Rocky's way. And, uh, of course, Rocky is initially skeptical of Mickey's motives because when Rocky does get the opportunity, Mickey shows up at his house and says he wants to be his manager. Now, I'm going to get into details about this scene because there's a lot of depth within this scene. But, of course, Rocky has every right to be skeptical of Mickey's motives here because this is the guy that's been calling you a bum. This is the guy that says you have heart, but he's basically says you're just a tomato. He kicked you out of his gym. And now all of a sudden, now you got this big shot. Now he wants to come around and be his manager. So essentially after various things happen, he accepts him to be his manager and uh, Rocky's good friend, Paulie. He's this meat packing uh, plant worker. He lets him practice his punches over in his freezers and all that good stuff. So the main heart of this movie, of course, is the relationship between Rocky and Adrian. Now, Adrian, she is uh, Polly's uh, sister. She's very shy, quiet. She's librarian-like. And uh, she works as this clerk at a local pet store. And uh, he draws Adrian out of her shell. Rocky does. And they eventually become boyfriend and girlfriend. And she, throughout the film, begins to really metamorphosis and become uh, become a real woman. And uh, we'll get into details of that, but it's crazy. So the night before the fight, Rocky uh, confides to Adrian that there's no way he's going to beat Apollo Creed. I mean, he's the best in the world. He's just a you know, little piece of crap, if you will. And all he wants to do is go the distance because no one has ever gone the distance before. Now, for those of you who don't know boxing terms like myself, I don't know boxing terms, but luckily in the movie, they kind of give you all the boxing terms you need to know. Going the distance means you go the full rounds, the full 15 rounds. I mean, nobody has ever done that with Apollo Creed. In in Rocky's mind, if he goes 15 rounds, he automatically wins. Now, on New Year's Day, We have the boxing match starts. We have Apollo Creed, not initially, of course, taking the the fight seriously, as I mentioned before, but Rocky is, and he knocks him down immediately in the first round. And at this point in his career, nobody has ever done that to Apollo Creed. So not only does it embarrass Apollo Creed, 
Uh, it makes the tense. Uh, it, it makes everything tense. It makes them pissed off. And we have uh, an amazing uh, look at 15 rounds of uh, basically beating the living hell out of each other. Now, uh, Rocky does get his first broken nose. Earlier in the film, they state that Rocky has uh, had all these fights, hundreds of fights, but he's a very rare fighter because he's never had his nose broken. But Rocky does get his nose broken. Uh, he gets uh, trauma around his eye. Uh, Creed gets all these blows to his ribs. He gets internal bleeding. I mean, it's basically a death match. Now, uh, essentially, um, you know, you, you, the, as the final bell uh, rings, both fighters are locked in each other's arms. You hear Creed saying there ain't going to be no rematch. And Rocky says, I don't want one. After the fight, there's multiple layers of drama that's played out. You have, uh, you know, sportscasters and audience are going wild. You have the promoter, the ring announcer, uh, announces over the large speaker. Uh, it was the greatest exhibition of guts and stamina in the history of the ring. And Rocky, all he wants is Adrian. You know, of course, they're trying to figure out who actually win, uh, who actually won the match. Rocky's calling out for Adrian the whole time. Uh, she's running down. And she comes to the ring. Polly's distracting the security so that way uh, she can, you know, get into the ring. You have the fight is found to be won by Apollo Creed by a virtue of a split decision, eight seven seven eight nine six. And Adrian Rocky they embrace when she says "I love you." And he's like "I love you," and they they hug, they kiss. The movie ends, and there you go. So. Uh, of course, we'll talk about the ending in regards to, uh, yeah, just, oh, I forgot how flipping good this movie was. Let me just say this before we get into the details of this film. When I was a kid, you know, most kids my age, and I'm sure when Jameson comes on for number three and four, when you were a kid, you wanted to see Rocky two, Rocky three or Rocky four. I mean, you, you liked Rocky one, but you didn't like Rocky one. The movies that for, were made for you were like Rocky Three and Rocky Four because those were the movies that had all the action in it, just nonstop action. This movie takes its time to build a story. And for a kid my age, that bored me to death. This movie was like Superman the movie. I really enjoy and love Superman the movie, but let's be honest, that first hour that it takes for Superman to show up on screen when you're a kid, you are bored out of your mind it's not until you become an adult that you really appreciate and respect and enjoy what you're seeing on screen that as a kid you don't care less about so needless to say watching this i really enjoy the pacing the way the story is told the way things slowly are unveiled uh it's amazing you know and then when you get to the sequels those are made for all the kids where they're just like you want to see action right away boom here you go rocky three you got hulk hogan in a you know you got hulk hogan in the beginning of your match i mean the beginning of your movie you know we'll get there when we get there but this movie is made very the story is told very slowly and i can appreciate that now as an adult and that's one thing that is a big humongous difference for me since the last time i saw this is how much i really enjoy 
and didn't realize how great of a film this really is. So let's get into the details here about the things that I really dig of this flick and the stuff I did. So of course we have the beginning of the film. We get the iconic theme song. Dun 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 dun. I mean, who who doesn't know this theme song? It's one of those theme songs that you can easily, you know, whistle or or just sing along with. It's great. It starts off and just says Rocky across the screen and bam. I mean, it's just like instantly brings you in and it's iconic. It's in every film. And we love we love that theme song. It's great. It's one of the greatest theme songs out there, of course. I mean, it's just so once you hear the first two seconds, you instantly know what movie that's from. Now, uh, I will say this, though. That very first match had some pretty bad choreography. I mean, there were some times where the fighters would would hit each other and I wouldn't know if if they had missed and they were just trying to move their face out of the way or if they actually made contact or if it was just a bad I'm going to punch you in the face and I and I move and I move away too soon you know so the beginning fight had a little bit of bad choreography but it wasn't bad enough to where it took me out of the film kind of thing I mean I'm considering the time period that this was filmed in I mean I'm sure Sylvester Stallone wasn't like, you know, punch me for real in the face. That wasn't until you got to later on in the series. But uh, overall, though, I kind of was shocked. You know, when you hear, okay, this is how much money you made minus this, minus this, you get $17.20. So I'm thinking, okay, what is that? And, you know, in 1976, what does that mean in 2013? That means if you're getting $17.20 back, 76 in today's standards that's probably like what 100 bucks 120 bucks the most and then the guy goes to rocky and says that he gets 40 dollars and 55 cents and i was confused because i thought rocky lost i thought once he got butted in the head uh that was over but i forgot that he won you know he beat spider i was like oh yeah of course he's gonna get more money he's gonna get the 40 dollars and 55 cents and then of course says that's over you have rocky walking down the street and you start to see all the credits and when I see John G. Avildsen, I'm just like, man, that's good times, man. Just bringing me back to, you know, well, I should say taking me forward into the future to when he's going to be making the Karate Kid later on in the years. But uh, one thing I do like is the consistency of these guys on the street when you hear Take It Back. Obviously, this really comes into play more in Rocky V because these guys, they're they're all around a fire and they're all just kind of singers on the street. And they have this song called Take It Back, which when you watch Rocky V, these guys, I don't know if it's exactly the same guys. I'll have to watch it again. But I know for sure, for a fact, that this song is in Rocky V when Rocky has to go back to not being rich anymore and going back to the old school days. He goes back and wearing the same clothes and these guys are singing the same song. And I like the fact that they did that. It probably helps because John G. Avildsen also directed Rocky V. So that's pretty cool. I definitely heard this song and it brought me back to Rocky V, which is great. Now let's talk about this apartment. Obviously, Rocky, he's not a very financial stabilized kind of person i mean let's face it uh, his apartment is kind of you know he's kind of in a bad part of town his he's got a lot of like broken paint on the walls you know i wouldn't say mold because you couldn't live in a place like that but it almost looks like mold when you look at it but i kind of like this i like how they take the time to show you what it's like in his house him talking to his turtles you can kind of tell he's really lonely 
he just kind of looks in the mirror and just like, what are you doing with yourself? They show you how he really talks and you kind of get the idea of that. Okay, he obviously probably isn't too educated, but you get the idea that he's well liked in the neighborhood. And one thing that I love that he does throughout this whole film is he always says, you understand? You understand? You know, he'd be like, huh, huh? You understand? You understand? Anytime he talks to somebody, he's like, you know, you can't be doing this. You understand? Every time you go down the street and you walk and you trip, then, you know, you'd be considered this. You understand? You know, obviously he doesn't say that, but I'm just trying to make in conversation what he says. He always says, you understand? It's kind of his slang for, you know what I mean, as some people like to say or, or whatever. It's just fun. I dig it. It's cool. It's just, it's his character. It's his personality. His you understand thing is just what makes Rocky Rocky. I'm not sure if he does that the rest of the series. I'll find out as I flip on the next set of movies, but it's pretty cool for this one. It works for me. So uh, let's talk about Adrian here. Now, Adrian is played by uh, Tila Shire, uh, or Talia, sorry, Talia Shire. And uh, she's in all five movies. She doesn't make it to number six, which we'll talk about when we get to number six. You're going to have to forgive me. I know I'm supposed to be talking about Rocky 1, but it's really hard not to talk about the rest of the series. I did this in Lethal Weapon. I'm going to do it for Rocky. So I guess if you don't have a problem with that, oh well. But I kind of have to reference the rest of the films because, as I told you, this is one big story. We have a beginning, middle, and end. So it's good stuff. Uh, She is such a phenomenal actress and i mean of course i'm not putting her in the same leagues of like you know Marilyn streep or anything like that i'm just talking you know for 1976 i don't think anybody else could have played this character and you see her metamorphosis not only in this movie i mean obviously you see a dramatic metamorphosis in this movie but you really get to see her character really really grow she grows just as much as rocky does as characters that's what these movies are about. It's about the relationship of Rocky and uh, and Adrian, which is why I thought Six was not going to work because she wasn't in the film. And when we get there, we'll talk about that, how, how if I liked that movie or if I didn't like that movie, we'll get there in a few weeks. But I just want to say that it amazes me how great she is. Number one, there are a few people that when you put glasses on them, They look pretty much the same as they do without the glasses. Then there's other people when you put the glasses on, you take them off, they look completely different. And that's exactly uh, Adrian's character, let alone her hair. I mean, it's kind of like an arrow, the TV show Arrow. And uh, you have uh, Felicity. Uh, She always has her hair up and she has her glasses on. The last episode... She walks in, she's got her hair down, she's got her glasses off, she's got makeup on. She looks smoking hot and looks nothing like she does when she's got those glasses and her hair up. It's ridiculous how different she looks. Same thing goes with Adrian. When she takes that hat off and takes those glasses off, she looks completely different and you really get to see how gorgeous she is throughout this film. You know, when uh, Rocky is in the store with her, just talking to her, trying to get her to talk, and he goes up to Bub Kiss and he just starts going, oh, you know, going all loud. And she just gives him that look. I, I've always wanted to know if that was, I think, your crazy look or if she kind of is starting to really like him. I've always wondered that. It's good stuff. Now, when we get to Mr. Gazzo, 
I really like this guy. I mean, this guy is a loan shark. There's no way that you should like Mr. Gazzo, but he's cool, man. He's just like, uh, I think I like his appeal with Rocky because, I mean, Rocky does this thing where he's just like, uh, I, I already talked about, you understand, but he goes to collect for Mr. Gazzo from this guy. He doesn't have enough money, and he goes, I'm supposed to break your thumbs, you understand? And and he doesn't do it, and then he goes to Mr. Gazzo, and he and Rocky puts on his glasses, which I thought was pretty cool because you know it kind of makes him look a little bit smart. But Mr. Gazzo pulls him to the side and just says, you know, Rocky, you make me look bad. You know, uh, I think he he really likes Rocky because he knows he has a good heart and he's gonna get the job done. But because of that good heart, it's hurting his business. He's like, when I tell you to break people's thumbs, you gotta do it. And Rocky gives him an excuse. Well, you know, he wouldn't be able to work. And he's like, no, nah, man, when I tell you to do something, you do it. But Mr. Gonzo likes him so much, he gives him $500 later on in the movie just because he wants him to, to train well. And he's just like, you're gonna show up at the fight? He's like, yeah, man, I'll be there by your side. I'm really excited to see if he's in uh, any other movies because I mean, you shouldn't like loan sharks, but this guy, he's one very nice loan shark. And of course, I love his driver, just the back and forth that him and uh, that Rocky and the driver do, uh, making fun of Adrian and eventually we'll just say to the driver, I should have broke your thumbs, you know, and I like the bickering back and forth. But Mr. Gazzo, he's really cool. I think he really respects Rocky and and knows that he's going to get the job done. But in the end of the day, he has a big heart. And it may hurt his business a little bit, but he's willing to forgive Rocky. I mean, obviously, he gives him $500 later on. But it's cool. I dig Mr. Gazzo, even though he's not in it too much. Now, um, I love how we get the uh, the combination in his hat. I mean, let's face it. You know, Rocky, he's not the most uh, you know educated dude. Uh, they they've obviously made it very clear at this point but he's just like he knows he's going to forget the combination someday so he puts in his hat i mean look at me i go to work and i've put in the same password for like the past two months because you're supposed to change your password every 90 days i go home for lunch i go back to work i type in the password all of a sudden it doesn't work i type it in the second time it's not working by the third time I'm now locked out of my system and I'm just an idiot because I just miraculously forgot my password that I've been typing in the same for the past two months. I should be like Rocky. I should be carrying my passwords with me wherever I go. And I dig this, man. Rocky's just like, oh, this should be my combination. It doesn't work. He gets pissed off. He breaks the lock. You know, it's good stuff. Good on Rocky. He actually outsmarts most of us out there that don't carry their passwords with them because Rocky knows he's going to forget it someday. And it was just pretty nice. It's cool. Now let's talk about Mick here. Uh, You know, Mick gets introduced and you could tell right off the bat that these two have a history. You know, they both really respect each other, but they don't like each other. There's a difference between respecting and liking somebody than respecting them and not liking them. And that's kind of how Rocky and Mick are. You know, it's just like you have a great heart, but you're a bum. And he knows he's a great trainer, but he's very bitter and he's very mean, you know, and basically says, yeah, you know, the only good thing about you is you never broke your nose. They kind of set that up for later on in the film and just kind of kicks him out. And it's just like you're a tomato, you know, you're just kind of a bum. And it's just, I just, I dig the relationship here because it really sets up for a great scene that you get later on in the film. But Mick is just a bitter old man 
that wants his shot and never got it, and he takes it out on Rocky. But it's Rocky that's going to give him his shot, obviously, that we're going to see later on. All right, now I want to talk about something that uh, this is a good thing that this movie is a period piece because I want to talk about the beginning relationship of Adrian and Rocky. Now, they throw a couple scenes out there about creeps. You know, Rocky goes into the store and just talking about Adrian, you know, should I walk you home? There's a lot of creeps out there, a lot of creepos. And you have a girl earlier in the film, Rocky walked home and she called Rocky a creepo. And this is so funny how the times have changed. You know, you watch this scene, the the date scene where Rocky uh, is on a date with Adrian and he brings her back to his apartment and uh she's just like i'm not comfortable he goes you know adrian i'm not comfortable either you know and this screams rape okay this whole this whole date scene uh you know the apartment scene is a total rape scene in any other movie you know in 2013 let's just say devil's advocate you were going to remake rocky there's no way you could do the relationship uh the beginning of their relationship like this because Rocky's just like, you know, uh, why don't you come on over, uh, sit on my couch, you know, I got a spot for you. And she's just like, I'm not comfortable being in your apartment. I mean, this screams an episode of Law & Order SVU, if you know what I'm saying. But Rocky's just like, you know, why don't you take off your hat? You know, why don't you take off your glasses? You know, I just want to kiss you. It's like, this so would not work. But for in 1976, this scene works because it's got a lot of heart it's got compassion and it's just got uh, feeling to it and it works because the times were different back then. Nowadays, you couldn't do that. It totally screams rape. It's just crazy how the differences from 1976 to 2013 are. But of course, after this, they become boyfriend and girlfriend and then you get the normal Adrian and Rocky relationship that you know and love. But it's just funny how they got together you know, what do you tell your kids? Yeah, you know, I, I forced your mom uh, to the side of the door and I didn't let her leave until she let me take off her hat and her glasses and then I kissed her and then I took off her clothes. You know, I mean, what do you what do you tell your kids on how you and your mom got together? You know, I mean, this is a crazy, crazy story. But deep down, though, when you really look at the scene, it's very good, man. There's just a lot of like a lot of feeling towards each other and a lot of like. I'm nervous, you're nervous, but I really dig you. And if you leave, I'll probably never see you again. And I'm going to take a chance and I'm going to give you a kiss. It's good stuff, man. I really dig it, even though, you know, I'm so, I'm so used to seeing this kind of crap on an episode of Law and Order SVU. I'm kind of tainted now, but it's good for 1976. I dig it. Uh, now, let's talk about Polly. Now, due to the fact of, I've seen Paulie in other movies. I really love this guy. He's really great. However, if there was only Rocky and there wasn't any other movie, you would hate this guy. I mean, he's a mean old drunk. He's abusive. He's just, oh, he's a terrible, terrible person. But as the series goes on, you really see the relationship of Rocky and Paulie build and you really love this guy. And I'm going to tell you right now, what my favorite scene of all of the Rocky movies are. And I know a lot of you out there are going to call me crazy and just like, I can't believe you're picking that as your favorite scene, but it's it's true. My favorite scene of the whole entire series comes from the movie that most fans hate with the passion. That's Rocky Five, And it deals with Polly. It's where towards the end of the movie, 
they're, you know, Rocky and Paulie, they're hanging out at their bar, their bar, and Tommy Lee comes in, or t- not Tommy Lee, Tommy Gunn comes in, and he punches Paulie in the face. Paulie's down on the ground. Rocky goes to, to see if he's okay, and, and Paulie takes his hand, puts it to his lip, sees the blood, looks at Rocky, and says, You should have left him out in the street. And the thing I love is Rocky turns his head and gives him the death look and says, Yo, you knocked him down. Why don't you try knocking me down? And it's just like, oh, it's so good. I know it's terrible that that's my favorite scene, but that's what I mean, man. The relationship of Pauly and Rocky have built so much by Rocky Five that you took out my brother, which at this point, obviously, it's his brother-in-law because, you know, he's married to his sister. But it's just like, yo, you knocked him down. Why don't you try knocking me down? You know, it's just like, oh, it's so damn good. You know, when we get to Rocky Five, we'll get there. Uh, for me, you know, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to give anything away. But I just, I know it's terrible. That's my favorite scene of all the Rocky series. But it's true, man. It's just the way he looks and the way he says that is just like Rocky in a nutshell. Don't mess with my friends. Or you're going to get the beat down, you know? So, all right. So, uh, a little bit later, we get the definition of a softpaw. And this is where uh, Apollo Creed, you know, he's coming into play and uh, his manager, um, or I should, I don't know if he's really his manager. I mean, this guy, uh, obviously, Duke, uh, he's his trainer. So, yeah, I guess he's his like manager and trainer, uh, which, of course, he becomes more prominent. As the movies head on, but he explains to Apollo how Rocky Balboa is a southpaw, and it's because it's supposed to mean that he's left-handed, so everything is kind of off, and a lot of people don't like to fight left-handed fighters and all that kind of stuff, and it's kind of cool, you know, you kind of learn some lingo, if you will, of the boxing world, but I like how later on he tries to explain it to Adrian, and he puts it in the terms uh, that the audience is going to understand. Now, I've always wondered, uh, you know, as the story progresses and you see the Pauly and Adrian relationship, obviously the parents are dead. Adrian has been taking care of Pauly. It seems that Pauly works and Adrian stays home and she does the cooking and the cleaning. You know, she's just a, uh, she's just a sheltered being, if you will. But Pauly always comes home drunk. You know, he wants her to go out on the date with Rocky on Thanksgiving. And she's upset that he brought her home. And he throws out her turkey. And uh, and then later on, he takes a baseball bat and he starts breaking stuff. And uh, he he's, <laughs> he calls uh, Adrian busted because she's no longer a virgin. I mean, it's just terrible. He's very abusive. You can clearly see that Pauly is in a, a very uh, a verbal, abusive person. I've always wondered if he's always if he's ever hit Paul uh, ever hit Adrian, but as the movies go on, clearly Adrian could kick his ass. But in this movie, you you kind of think that that Paulie has beaten his sister, but I don't think he has because he talks about her a lot in regards to you know you need to get out, get a life kind of thing, and I just think he's just verbally abusive and he uses a baseball bat to break stuff, but. I don't know. I've just, I, as a kid, I always wondered if he beat up his sister, but as I watch it now, it's kind of like, yeah, you're just verbally abusive, but a lot of times verbal abuse is worse than physical abuse, you know, because wounds heal, but emotional ones are a lot harder to heal. So either way, it's still, it's still a bad thing, but Polly, you definitely don't like this guy in number one, but as the series goes on, you'll begin to. 
So uh, let's talk about the ice scene. Uh, I like the fact that it's uh, 10 minutes, 10 bucks. You know, it's like, geez, that had to have been a lot of money back then, especially if you're a winner of a boxing match and you get 40 bucks, 10 bucks would have been a lot of money. But I like the dislocation of the finger thing. I wonder if that's legit, if that was really real, like if he really dislocated his finger and for the movie, he'd say, hey, I have this dislocated finger. Why don't we throw it into the film? And, you know, maybe that's one of the biggest reasons why. I mean, you can clearly tell that Sylvester Stallone wrote this character for him to play and him to play only. So I'm sure he uses personal uh, things he did in his life or things that happened to him and threw him into this character. Which is, I mean, arguably it's his most beloved character that he's ever done in film is Rocky. And, I mean, obviously there's more Rocky films than there are Rambo. So I'm sure more more people resonate with the Rocky character. And just imagine if somebody else had played him, how crazy that is. But I dig the ice scene, man. It's really good. It's building the relationship. And I just love how he talks to Adrian. It's crazy the stuff that he says to Adrian on the ice. He's just like, you understand, huh, huh? Every time she says something, he's like, you understand, huh, huh, huh? It's like he talks to her like she's not there or like, I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's just the way he talks to her would almost seem disrespectful to anybody else. But for Adrian, it works. You know, it's just... I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Obviously, as the movie goes on, he doesn't do that anymore. It only happens on the ice. But when it happens, though, I'm just like... I can't stop and think about how crazy that is. That he's just like... Anytime she says something, ha, ha, ha. You understand? You understand? Ha, ha, ha. You know, watch that scene again. And you'll see it's kind of like he's really being... Deme- you know, he's really being mean to her almost but at the same time he's not because she's clearly liking him and stuff it's weird it's a weird scene but i dig it at the same time all right so let's talk a little bit about adrian's transformation so obviously we have uh the apartment scene and then shortly after that they show her where she no longer has the hat on she no longer has the glasses her hair's a little bit different but you're like oh okay you actually get to see what she looks like uh, you know, far away shot because you just saw a close up shot of how she looked without the glasses. And then as the movie goes on, she starts to buy these new clothes. She starts to change her hair. You know, she buys butt kiss and she's got this really nice red coat on. He's like, wow, you look really sharp. By the end of the film, she's gorgeous looking, man. I don't know how they did it, how they pulled it off, but she goes from one extreme character to another. She's got self-confidence at the end of the film. She looks great. She's in love with Rocky. He's in love with her. I mean, he's always been in love with her. But, I mean, probably she's always been in love with him. You know, who knows? But I just dig it, man. I really love how they transformed her. And then when you get to Rocky Five and he puts the glasses back on her. And you're just like, ooh, taking down the memory lane. You know, it's crazy. So then we get to the best scene of the whole entire film. This is when uh, Rocky has found out he's going to fight Apollo Creed, you know, obviously because Adrian was on the couch watching him on the news and everything like that. Uh, but then we have where Mick shows up at Rocky's house, Rocky's apartment. And, you know, Rocky, I love this scene the way it's shot because you can clearly tell the emotions that Rocky is going through with Mickey in the room because he's trying to purposely avoid 
talking with him. He just he's very frustrated. He this is where obviously Mick's just showing up like this is like if you won the lotto and th- those people that always give you crap or or just been terrible to you just all of a sudden want to become your best friend. That's exactly how Rocky feels. He feels like, you know what? I've done this all by myself. I don't need your help. I don't need no manager. Where were you before all this happened? And I just like how Mick tries to pretend like none of this ever happened. You know, he just tries to tell him all these stories. Rocky's just throwing darts. He's trying to be very arrogant towards him and dismissive. And I dig it, man. This is the best scene of the film. It really is because it's just there's a lot of uh, crazy emotion here. And then Mick leaves and you have Rocky just screaming out. This this is kind of like uh, First Blood where at the end of the film he starts going off about the soldiers dying and what it was like being in the war. And he starts crying. This is the same this is the same vibe that Sylvester Stallone is pulling uh, in this scene, which I think First Blood obviously came after this, but uh, in that scene, he's pulling the same strings he did for this one because he's just going off on Mick as Mick's walking away, and he's punching doors and he's just like, "Where were you, man?" You know, and he's just, and then as Mick leaves, he eventually goes and just realizes, you know what? I've been wanting to say all those things to you. Now that I did, we're out in the open. Yes, I want you to be my manager because it's true. There's no way I'm going to win this thing without you. And I dig it, man. This is where the relationship is now repaired. And you get the Mick and the Rocky story that you know and love that will continue until you get the Rocky 3. And it's awesome. So I really love it. It's good stuff. This is the best scene of the film. Actually, sorry. I take that back. Uh, I thought... It was the best scene of the film until something else happened. So I apologize. It's not the best scene of the film. It's the second best scene of the film. The first scene, uh, the the best scene, I'll get to in just a little bit. But overall, though, this uh, Mick and Rocky fight is great. It, it patches everything up between these two, and they're able to move forward in their relationship. Now, we get the egg scene, and man... Obviously, those are real eggs. There's no way that they could have faked this, and it's gross. He throws four eggs in, uh, I mean, he gets up at 4 a.m. He throws in some eggs in this glass, and he drinks it, and there's egg yolk hanging off of his uh, chin. It's just disgusting, but it's, I guess, what boxers do. But it's iconic. I mean, no doubt about it. This is an iconic scene. When you kind of think of Rocky, you think of montages, you think of great music, you think of uh, the training, and then, of course, the eggs. I mean, it's just kind of embedded in your system when you think of Rocky, the things that you're going to see. Now, I love how, you know, Rock goes in, talks to Polly, and he's like, you banging my sister. And he's like, you know, this is why you can't work for Mr. Russo because you got a big mouth. You don't know how to shut up. Rocky just gets pissed off and he starts beating the meat, man. His hands are all bloody, all nasty. And Polly's just like, wow, you know, if, if you do that to Apollo, they're going to have to take us to jail. You know, I thought that was kind of funny. But it was kind of like Rocky letting off some steam without beating up his best friend. Just say, you know what, you need to keep your mouth shut or this is going to be you next. But I got to talk about this next scene because I find it hysterical. And that's when... uh you know, Adrian is uh, kind of fixing him up and she starts to get frisky with them. And he's just like, yo, Adrian, no fooling around. You know, I'm like, seriously, man, you're going to tell your woman who's trying to get busy with you that you're going to tell her no. It's like, come on, seriously. I mean, most guys are the guys that 
are instigators that wants to get busy with their women. Very rarely is it the women that just all of a sudden come up to you and you're just like, hey, let's get going. Let's get busy, you know? And the fact that Rock is just like, nah, I can't do it. You're going to weaken me. It's like, bull, man. I mean, that should seriously make you, I mean, that number one, it's going to make you guys, you know, closer emotionally. I mean, you guys know the whole, I don't have to go into the, the birds and bees of the, uh, of that area, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's funny. It's like I kind of get where he's coming from because, I mean, they use this plot in The Dark Knight Rises where uh, Marianne Cattiar, uh, uh sleeps with uh, with Bruce Wayne right before he fights Bane. So that way he's physically, uh, you know, weakened. So that way he's not at his top game. I kind of get that. But at the same time, he's just like, I can't ever do this with you until my training's over. And training is like five weeks. So you mean to tell me we're not, you're not going to get busy with your woman for five weeks. So it's just, it's funny. It makes me crack up to myself uh, when I hear that and I just like how she gets, you know, she's hurt by it and he's just like, you know what? I'm sorry because he's starting to realize that, you know, this is kind of how Polly talks to you and I don't want you to think that I'm going to talk to you like that. But uh, overall, it's just, it's a fun scene for me. And then of course, Mick jokes around or says women weaken legs, you know, right after that scene in Rocky's training, he goes, you need to stay off that store clerk girl, women weaken legs, you know, and Rocky's just like, fine, I won't mess around with her, you know, but I like when, uh, like I said, you know, she shows up and she's got new clothes on. She's looking really good. She buys him butt kiss. So that way, butt kiss and him can run together. And then he gets to uh the the meat shop and sees uh there's a, a truck in there and uh <laughs> this is so funny because Polly's drunk and Rocky's just so upset with Polly that man why didn't you clear this with me man I don't want to be interviewed right now this is supposed to be private and Polly looks in his face and screams my sister really likes you and his breath is so bad and he just fall he's just kind of falling over on Rocky and Rocky just laughs and he's just like, oh, one day I'm gonna kill you, you know. I dig it, man. It was good stuff. You got to see kind of a funnier side to Polly. It was fun. Now I do love the scene where uh, you know, Rocky's telling the camera people, You're not gonna do any cheap shots, right? Because earlier in the film he was in an interview and they were doing some cheap shots to him. But uh, I like how Apollo he's just too busy trying to get things together money-wise and Duke is all looking at the TV and he's like yo champ you may want to come look at this you know and he's just he knows how dangerous Rocky really is but Apollo you know he does, he, he has no reason to believe that Rocky is any threat to him but Duke he's starting to see that just based on this uh, you know watching this interview on TV I like that that was cool and then after that, we get to the best scene of the movie, the one that I was telling you where I had to retract myself because I looked down at my notes and uh, I said, oh, yeah, yeah, that's the best scene. And the reason why this is the best scene is, uh, and the one I'm talking about is where uh, Adrian and Rocky, they're sitting there and talking about Polly. Polly comes in drunk and just says how, you know, you're, he starts using a baseball bat and he starts going off on his sister. This is where Adrian becomes full character because Adrian, all of a sudden, you know, Rocky's protecting her from from Polly, and she goes and she attacks uh, Polly and just says, "I did everything for you. I did your cooking. I did your cleaning. You made me feel like a loser. I'm not a loser." And it's just, um, oh, it's so good. This scene is just phenomenal. It's great. It's uh, it's. 
direction wise it looks great the shots are great the uh the motion from the characters are excellent in this scene it's awesome i love it and of course polly has to give her a cheap shot and just say you're busted and and she can't take it and she runs off and you see rocky just jump on him like this is the point in time where if i wasn't going to kill you now is the time you know and of course it's what's needed in order for adrian to move in with rocky which I dig, I love, good stuff. But this scene is great because Adrian shines here, man. I mean, if you didn't think she shined at all, this is it, man. This is her pivotal scene. This is where it's just like she's pissed off, she's frustrated, she's finally getting her self-confidence because she knows she's not a loser because Rocky's changed her life. And it's good stuff. And she's going to continue to grow throughout this series, which is awesome. But this is the one big step that's taken in this film itself is right here so this is by far the best scene of the whole entire film and then of course uh we get the uh the thing that became that becomes a staple in all the rocky films and that's the uh that's the training montage and uh it's good stuff man the music kicks in you know we got the famous dun 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 dun. i mean you guys know it the um flying high now or whatever it's called this song is great it's awesome everybody knows it and the thing that i love is the run man just seeing him do that by the end of it you just see how his running has increased because you know before this you know when he did the eggs he tried to run and it was just he was out of breath and he was holding his ribs and he was just walking on the stairs but by this time he's running up the stairs and you just see that fast run which i believe in rocky 2 is where everybody will join him for the run which i can't wait to see but i love this man this is great and you get the you know you get the epic uh him jumping up in the air in slow motion putting his arms up in the air it's like the iconic scene you know i just love it it's great i mean of course this is why we get a montage in the karate kid because we get a montage for rocky you know john g avildsen's just like we need to do a montage for karate kid because i did it in rocky and it worked great so let's do it here you know love it it's great it's awesome and then uh, we get uh, after the funness we get the seriousness where uh you know he leaves adrian in bed goes to the ring i like this i like the fact that he's just sitting there looking around just in total I don't know disbelief of maybe where he's at or just this is where he realizes there's no way he's gonna win this thing there's just no way you just look around you just are overwhelmed by the fact of you're gonna be in a ring in front of all these people you're going up against the champion the undefeated champion of the world how are you possibly going to survive this night you know and it's great and i like when the promoter shows up and rocky's just like uh yeah you know they got my trunks wrong you know it should be the other way around but i love it it's great and uh i dig how rocky just goes home and just says you know all i want to do is go the distance which is setting up to let you know that that's all rocky wants to do is go the distance if he goes the distance he wins in the end he doesn't need to have nobody tell him that he won against apollo creed he goes he went he goes the distance and that's it man game over i win and uh i love it man it's great and then we get the uh him getting ready and he's got the big robe on and i like how they call it out they're like what's up with the robe you know because paulie had mentioned earlier you know i could use your name and get some advertisement he talks about you know the paulie's work is on top of his robe 
He's just like, Polly gets three grand, I get the robe. And Mick's just like, oh, okay, I guess that's a good deal. And they go out and you see Apollo all dressed up, all, you know, Mr. American looking like a walking flag. And I dig it, man. It's good. The, the, crowd, cover, the crowd coverage, though, looks bad. So really the only thing I have to say bad so far is the beginning. The choreography was a little bit off and this crowd coverage looks pretty bad. Other than that though, man, everything's been 100% solid up until this point. Now when you look in the crowd though, you see that Polly's got a girl. Where and when did this happen? I mean seriously, Polly hasn't had a girl this whole movie and he just miraculously has a girl next to him in ringside. I mean it was cool to see Mr. Gazzo there. That was awesome. Uh, but I just kind of laughed when I saw that Paula, that Polly had a girlfriend and I love how Rocky just, you know, before he got in the ring had told, had told Adrian, you know, don't leave town, you know, it's just, uh, be there for me. And she's like, you know, I, I will kind of thing. And of course, back then there was no watching on TV. All you got to do is just kind of hear how the crowd reacted. So it's hard to say how Adrian was feeling during this fight. I'm sure she was probably thinking the worst of how it actually ended up ending. But thank God for uh, technology today, man. You could be in the back and watch it on your phone or watch it on the TV that they provide you. But, you know, I kind of felt bad for Adrian just not knowing what was going on to her man in the ring. Now, the actual fight. This fight probably lasts like 20 minutes, if that. For the most part, the choreography is good. There were a few times where I noticed it was kind of like the beginning where there was punches being shot and supposedly hitting the face, but it was clearly off. But for the most part, out of the fights, uh, I mean, this is no way, shape, or form the best Rocky fight. I mean, most people are going to say it's going to be number four with Dolph Lundgren, and, and that should be because he was literally hitting him in the face. So we'll get there when we get there. But those are actual contacts, so it better look good. But this is pretty good. I I give this fight about a seven on a on a scale of one to ten. I give this fight a seven. Uh, it's pretty it's pretty great. Uh, there's a lot of uh, build up moments. I love when he first hits Apollo and he knocks him down, and they're like, "Oh, this has never been done before." You know, the ring announcers are really good of telling the story, and you just miraculously see the ring going from three to four to seven to nine. And just it's building and building. And man, when you get to that scene where they got to cut his eye, oh, that just gives me the willies. You just see the razor hit his eye and the blood squirts everywhere. Oh, man. And of course, his nose is broken at this point in the game. And Mick just says, eh, it's an improvement. It's okay. But uh, I love Adrian's look. There's a look that she does uh, close to the end when she comes out. And she looks in the ring and I think Rocky gets hit in the face and they just, they point to her face and she just closes her eyes kind of like, like she, like she got hit just like the way he got hit, hit her. I love that shot of, she just looks amazing the way that they did that. It looks so great. And then we get to the end here. You know, as a kid, when I found out that, you know, Rocky lost to Apollo, I was like devastated and I just didn't get it. But now as an adult, I totally get it. You know, this was an underdog story that there's no way 
that they should have had this movie end with Rocky winning. You know, it totally would have destroyed this movie. I get that now. As a kid, I didn't get that. I thought I was really upset with that. I was like, well, Rocky should have beat Apollo. You know, why didn't he win? He did all this work and he didn't win. I didn't get it. Now I do. He won because he got Adrian. He won because he went the full 15 rounds. He went the distance. He did the thing that nobody's ever done before. He didn't care if he didn't beat Apollo because he knew Apollo was undefeated. There was no way he was going to touch that. But if he could go the distance, he won. And the fact that he got Adrian uh, and they confessed their love for each other. That that's the best ending you possibly could have given this movie. Now the Karate Kid, you had to end that movie with Daniel winning because it was it was a twist on the Rocky character, which we'll get there when we get there. But I totally see the flip side of the coin now that Rocky had to lose, Karate Kid had to win. I totally see where John G. Avildsen was just like. I mean, obviously Sylvester Stallone wrote the, this movie, and maybe. This was the ending. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe John G. Avildsen was just like, no, this is how it should end, man. You know, I just, it's hard to say. I, I don't have the script in front of me. I don't know all the changes that they made. But this ending is perfect. There's no better way you could have done it. Paulie's distracted him. He opens the thing up so Adrian can go in. I love you. And he's like, I love you. That's all he cares about. He doesn't want to talk to nobody. This is a brilliant, brilliant ending. One of the best endings I've ever seen in a movie. Hands down. No doubt about it. So, I mean, I there's a lot of good endings to a movie. But there's few movies that have such impactful endings. Karate Kid. Empire Strikes Back. Uh, Back to the Future, you know, uh, Rocky. I mean, there's uh, Jaws. I mean, there's so there's some movies that when you think of, you think of various things and then you immediately go to the end. I mean, name a movie where you're like, okay, uh, I don't know, License to Drive. Do you immediately think of the ending? No. You know, or do you think of the ending of Lost Boys right away? No. You think of various things throughout the movie, but when you think of Rocky... You think, Adrian, I love you, I love you, hug, bam. I mean, it's obviously not the first thing that's going to hit your mind, but it's one of the things that are going to hit your mind is, man, that ending was so good. So, uh, yeah, man, that's all I got to say about this movie. And I went way longer than I thought I would because I was just like, ah, I'm not going to have so much to say on this one, but I did. I clearly did. So here's here's what I'm going to say. I have a feeling, and I think it's possible that based on this movie, the rest of the series can end at like five stars. Like where every movie is a five-star film. Now, don't get all like, oh, Rocky Five's a terrible film. I haven't seen that movie just as long as I haven't seen this one. I'm just saying there's potential based on this movie and my memory of part two. And of course, number three and four is so iconic and so far engrossed into pop culture I mean, this could possibly be the series where every movie is a five-star film. We'll see, okay? I think I did for the Dark Knight series. I gave Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, and Dark Knight Rises five stars. I think I did. So this could be the second one on STL. Uh, But obviously, I give this one five stars. I only had two issues, and they're a minor. The choreography was off in the beginning and the uh, bad crowd at, at the end of the film. Everything's solid. The pacing, the storytelling, the characters, everything is flawless in this film. It's great. It's epic. Uh, I mean, it's a brilliant script, gr- brilliant story. It's an awesome, 
underdog story. And I can see why it won Best Picture and deservedly so. And it's hard to believe that I never really understood this movie until now. You know, it just because, like I said, it's been like, I don't know, 15 years since I've seen this. So, I mean, last time I saw this, I was in my early teens, you know. And, uh, I mean, yeah, I'm 33 now, but I don't know, man. It's just like, I just, if I wanted to watch a Rocky film, it was always like two or three or four. It was never number one. Now, I could easily put this on and just enjoy it as much. So that's it, guys, for the review. Five stars all the way. Very strong five stars. So let's get into uh, emails and let's hear what the STL Nation had to say. All right, so our first email comes from Sebastian. He's like, hello, STL Nation, Rocky. Uh, a really good sports movie with a superb cast, especially the uh, competition for our hero, Rocky. I give Rocky 3.5 stars. And that's all Sebastian had to say. So thank you, sir, for uh, writing in and giving your thoughts. The uh, next one comes from uh, Cheerful Charlie, who writes the shortest email ever and says, Hi, guys. Rocky is one of the best movies ever, exclamation point, and ends his email. So uh, thanks for uh, writing in, Charlie. Uh, next time, man, when you write in, you got to give some more thoughts, man. If it's the best movie, one of the best movies ever, you got to tell me why, man. Uh, but thanks so much for writing in. The, uh, the next one comes from uh, John, the uh, music man. And, of course, he's from Philly, where Rocky takes place. He's like, hello, STL and Mike. I had to write in about a movie based near my city. As you know, I am John from Philly. First, this movie is a classic for this town. And if you live here and you have at least uh, and if you have at least once run up uh, those art museum steps and jumped around like Rocky, uh, he's basically saying, you know, that if you live in this city, you've done this and you've gone up the stair, th- those steps, which, of course, I would as well. And he goes on to say, I know John, the mailman has done that. So I. He says, I know John the Mailman has had to have done this as well. I guess we'll find out. Uh, He'll have to let us know on the next email. Uh, But overall, I've always enjoyed these movies, especially the first one. It's just always fun times and just love the training he goes through. But enough about the movie. Let's talk the music. I just picked up the new Fallout Boy CD. This is a great CD I highly recommend to all. Uh, But if you just want one song by uh, Fallout Boy off this album, get the Phoenix song. Which, as you guys know, my number one for 2013 was my songs Know What You Did in the Dark. So I'll be interested to hear this song. I haven't heard it yet, sir. He's like, well, that is it. Uh, This is John the Music Man from Philly. So thank you so much for writing in, sir. Good times. And uh, let me see if we have any more. We have one more email. And this one comes from John the Mailman. What is up, sir? Haven't heard from you in a long time, sir. He goes on to say, hello, Mike. Great job on the Lethal Weapon movies. Thank you, sir. Uh, he was definitely one of the uh, um, people that supported me and really, really wanted me to do that whole entire series. And I'm glad I finally got that done. He said, I agree, I 100% agree with your review on 3 and 4. 
Well, what about one and two, sir? <laughs> I just messed around. Thanks, sir. That's awesome to hear. That's that's good news. He goes, now on to Rocky. I love these movies and I can't wait to hear part four. The best movie ever made. Laugh out loud. Which is funny. I can't wait to hear uh, what you have to say on four when we get there. And I know for sure Jameson's like, if you do number four without me, I'll kill you. So for sure Jameson will be on for number four. And uh, I did a rewatch last year watching them with my uh, week old son. Good times watching it. I forgot some things. Number one, the reason why Rocky and Apollo had their fight, which is true. I kind of forgot that as well. Like, why did he just all of a sudden pick some random guy off the street kind of thing? The big book of boxers where Rocky was found, is that for real? I'm going to have to say yes. I don't know that for sure. I'm not a big boxing fan, but... I would, it looked like one of those statistic books. It's kind of like a regular book of boxers in the area or something like that. I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, based on everything in this movie, if that's the, the thing it wants you to give suspension of disbelief for, I'm willing to go with because everything else is flawless. Uh, that ro- Number three, that Rocky said no, he didn't want to fight, which is true. I mean, seriously, if someone came up to me and said, hey, guess what? I know that you like to, you know, wrestle part-time. You do a lot of backyard wrestling with your friends. We have an opportunity for you to fight Dwayne and Rock Johnson. I'd be like, hell no, I ain't doing that. Are you crazy? I'm like, number one, have you seen how big he is? I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, I, for, what was it my wife said to me? We were watching uh, Fast Five the other night. Because, you know, we're getting ready to go see Fast and Furious 6 couple weeks which as you know is my most anticipated movie of the year it's like yeah i want to see man of steel but for me fast and furious 6 is my most anticipated movie because i know what i'm gonna get every movie tops the prior movie so of course it's gonna be my most anticipated but we were talking during fast five how you know vin diesel's huge but when you put him next to the rock he's tiny so it's just like that's how I would be, man. If someone came up to me like, you're going to go fight The Rock. I'm like, hell no. Are you crazy? Get away from me. You're ridiculous. So, of course, I totally see why Rocky said no. You want to fight the most the, the most brutal fighter there is in the ring who's undefeated? Uh, I don't think so. Thanks for the opportunity, but I'll pass. Uh, number four, how creepy Rock and Adrian's date ended, right? Uh, number five, no wire the tiger, which... This makes sense because let's think about it. This is 1976. We haven't hit the 80s yet. Uh, big movie, iconic songs. This obviously happened in the 80s. So it would make it would be out of place if Eye of the Tiger was in this. And funny enough, Eye of the Tiger was supposed to go to uh, the Karate Kid. And You're the Best was supposed to go to Rocky Three, But... Uh, which if you if you listen to the Karate Kid, if you listen to You're the Best Around, there's a line in there that says, history repeats itself, try and you'll succeed. Obviously, in the Karate Kid, history doesn't repeat itself because this is the first time he's at the tournament, but they decided to switch it because it fit more with the Karate Kid than it did with Rocky, and that's why they put Eye of the Tiger in Rocky and put You're the Best in Karate Kid because it fit better. So I'm cool with No Eye of the Tiger in the first one. Uh, and then he goes on to finish the email. It says, but there is so much good acting in here, awesome speeches, great music, great montages, love seeing the city, recognize some places, five out of five, no question, have a great show. 
John, the mailman, considers the email delivered. So thank you, sir, so much for writing in. Excellent times. And then he, like, immediately wrote me for number two, which is great. So uh, that's it for emails, guys. Uh, let's get into the music spotlight. All right, guys, for the music spotlight, I sent out a post a little bit earlier after I found out the news about Crisscross that I was going to dedicate the music spotlight to them. However, after further thinking about it, I decided just to do an Underground Hour episode because one song wasn't going to do it, and uh, I've changed the music spotlight. Uh, luckily, I'm recording Rocky 1 and Rocky 2 in the same day. And the two songs that I really wanted you to hear, one goes here and one goes in the other episode. So this song, uh, the reason why I'm picking this one is I really love this song. In fact, I just heard this song uh, a few a few weeks ago. I fell in love with it and I really, really enjoy and love this song. And if you are a fan of the Underground Hour, which I know some of you are and some of you aren't, uh, you may have heard this song already, but I never said who it was or the name of the song. It was actually part of my Name That Tune, uh, which Sebastian is the one that guessed who it is. But the name of the song is uh, Freak Like Me by Hellstorm. Hellstorm is uh, a hard rock band that has an amazing female vocalist to it. And they are amazing. Her voice is ridiculous how great it is. I kind of felt like as I played their songs in the past, when I played It's Not You, I said it's like Pat Benatar meets hard rock. I mean, that's kind of what Hellstorm feels like to me. And this song is great. This is just like one of those, uh, we're going to get together and we're going to have some fun. And it's kind of like being at a rock show. Now, there's some swearing in the song, so obviously I've edited that out but it's a great tune. I dig it. And if it had come out this year, it would be my favorite song of 2013, hands down. But if you had not checked out the Underground Hour, I wanted you all to hear this song because it's awesome. So go check it out. It's from Hailstorms, uh, The Strange Case Of. It just came out in April of last year. And there's a lot of great, great tunes on there. And... Uh, I dig it. It's good stuff. So that's it for the episode, guys. If you want to write in, please do so at sweepdelaypodcast at yahoo.com or at stlpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to follow on Twitter, it's stlpodcast. If you want to join the group, it's the STL Nation on Facebook. Just type in STL Nation and there you go. Or like the page on Sweep Delay Podcast. Um, on Facebook, you know, www.facebook.com slash sweep delay podcast. You can find the group there and I'd love to hear from you guys. So it's good stuff. I can't wait to talk Rocky too. And I can't wait for you to hear the crisscross episode. And I am very excited to get to the road to a hundred, man. It's, I kind of want to, man, it's just, it's hard to believe how a hundred episodes is almost here. It feels like yesterday I just started this thing and you guys have been with me this whole entire time. But a lot of new fans have come along the way the past year that uh, have just made a big impact on on the show and everything like that. It's been awesome. So again, guys, thanks a lot. And I will catch you uh, on the next episode, which 
if you have downloaded all three episodes is just a click away so i will uh, catch you guys on uh, rocky 2 so you guys take care masunasa You're a free-